Hello, welcome back to the Masonic Roundtable, a weekly program where Masons from around the world get together to talk about Masonic news and opinions in a friendly and social manner. As a reminder, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely the opinions of the participants and do not represent any Grand Lodge positions or statements, so uh, make sure you keep your conversations open for the public and on the level. To interact with us, you can always join us live Thursday nights. That's uh, on Facebook or YouTube, so hello and good evening. Love seeing you all in the chat or watch the chat replays later, or listen to us in your favorite podcast app, because that's where we are. Let's see. You know me. My name is John Ruark. I'm a past master of the Patriot Lodge, number 1957, in Fairfax, Virginia. Next up, for his introduction, Joe Martinez. Hey, Joe. Hello. Hi. Hi. Is every, it's been so long since I've been here. Yeah, for real. I know. Hi, Joe Martinez. That's what the name says. Uh, let's see. I am master of Manassa Lodge, halfway through my year. Um, we'll see if I can stick it out for another six months. Um, lover of all things uh, esoteric and fun, and I'm going to tell you today why I don't like the Georgia Guidestones. So, <gasps> hello and good evening. Hey, yeah. I have to say, like kudos to you for holding it, holding it together for this half a year so far with just running the lodge. It's a lot of work. So, and kudos. I've only lost all of my hair. I'd like to say it comes back. But it doesn't. But it doesn't. Next up, Jason Richards, how are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you, John? Great. Great. I'm a past master vacation lodge number 16 in Clifton, Virginia, members of or member of lodges in DC and Ohio as well. Nice. Covering all the bases. And last but not least, brother robert johnson how's it going robert everything is going great yep uh past master walking everything is awesome that's right you know i found out the lonely island was involved in the creation of that uh song really yeah a little more fact anyway the nuggets just i know it was uh tegan and sarah Mm mm-hmm so anyway, uh, past master Joaquin 78, sitting secretary at Space Novum 1183, the premier education lodge in the state of Illinois, and the host of the Once Came You Masonic podcast. And I'm happy to see all of you and interact with you and all of the good stuff. Great. It's good we to be here. to you all. Yes. Pinching your cheeks virtually. Aw. Bro hugs. Let's see. So um, before we get into tonight's topic, Definitely want to give a shout out to all the patrons who've been supporting the show. You guys are awesome and super cool. And we love to interact with you offline between the the episodes. So if you want to chat with us in our little private Facebook group, love to see you over there. Head over to patreon.com slash the Masonic Roundtable. Thanks. Awesome. So tonight is an interesting topic. One we wanted to, to queue up for the last week. Just couldn't make it work for timing and, and everybody's schedules. But... Here we are back to talk about the Georgia Guidestones. Are they Masonic? Are they uh, linked to some grand conspiracy? Or are they just big pieces of rocks that really aren't there anymore? In fact, so if you've been following the news, uh, they kind of just blew up mysteriously uh, on uh, the morning of Literally. Ju- July 6th. Yeah, out of the blue. And that that's uh, something I want to pull the thread on tonight because I think it's, it's curious how they haven't caught anyone yet. But uh, yeah, let's talk about what the Georgia Guidestones are, who who came up with them, how they got erected, and then what's on them, what led them to be the source of many conspiracy theories. Uh, so in true historical fashion, why don't we start with uh, Brother Jason to peel back the historical onion and find out uh, the history peel of it. these guys. Peel it, brother. Peel it. Peel it. Oh, all right. Picture this. There you were. Field in georgia 1980 somebody gets the idea that they want to build an american stonehenge little did they know we already have that in natural bridge virginia called foam foam hedge but but uh foam henge is real and um, has not been blowed up yes. and has not been blowed up although it's it's a bit worse for wear blown over um but not blown up. Yeah. So the Georgia Guidestones were erected in 1980. 
1979, a man using a pseudonym, Robert C. Christian, um, approached a granite company um, in Georgia and commissioned the structure. And they, they wanted it, this, this unknown beneficiary wanted the stones to function as a compass, calendar, and clock, and should specifically be capable of withstanding catastrophic events. You know, Until it wasn't. Fast, good, and cheap pick two, right? Um, <laughs> so the, the pseudonym was reportedly a reference to the Christian religion. And, um, you know, the Christian, the, the pseudonym, uh, not the religion, wanted the monument to essentially rival Stonehenge, even though we, we still had Foamhenge. Um, you know, the, the total project cost was um, Foamhenge at Cox Farms? What? Oh my uh, god, that's like down the road. Yeah, it moved. It's it's. Oh my god, we're, we're going. <laughs> we're going. Wow. Okay, sorry to distract yeah, you there. It's in Natural Bridge, Virginia. It, not it's anymore. the original place. Yes. Go ahead. Oh and... So you are messing with my chi. Anyway, <laughs> the uh, the total cost of the project, we, we don't know what the total cost was, but it was over $100,000. Um, and when the structure was erected, uh, they um, essentially erected a set of pillared monuments, um, each with a different language. So there are you know, 10, you know, inscriptions, commandments, proverbs, whatever you call it, um, each inscribed on each stone uh, in English, Spanish, Swahili, Hindi, Hebrew, Arabic, traditional Chinese, and Russian. And so they have, they had been there since 1980. Uh, and we'll get into what those specific uh, mantras were. But of course, um, Georgia Guidestones started to make news again in the Georgia guberna gubernatorial, <laughs> the Georgia gubernatorial <laughs> primary um, because they seem to be uh, cast as some satanic cabal monument. And uh, <laughs> Sorry, but all I could do is is when you you reference them and you said goober all oh, like because they're just total goobers. <laughs> that was intentional. That's good, yeah. It's peanuts. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. peanut country. Oh, dying in my head. I'm sorry. <laughs> if the joke has to be explained, then it's a garbage joke. I'm just saying it was. Or great. you're just slow. <laughs> oh my goodness! Everybody's so oh. sassy today. Oh, for real. Continue. Jason. I know. Continue. That's what happens when you give us a week off? Mm. So, you know, at, at the end of the day, um, you know, in July of of this year, um, actually, you know, this month, this past month, like several weeks ago, uh, there was an explosion at the Guidestones. I believe. The explosion was targeting the Swahili um, part of the monument. It might have been the Swahili and Hindi monument that uh, part of the monument that was destroyed. <laughs> the Swahili Hindi language slap, correct, yeah, and mm. caused significant damage to the capstone. It was July sixth, twenty twenty-two, and so within the same day, the rest of the guidestones were dismantled and carted away and the culprit's never been found yeah the end there you go the end that's the show Boom. see you next week <laughs> so you know the interesting thing about this is we've had this this modern american stonehenge not counting foamhenge uh that's been been erected for you know 40 plus years um by an anonymous you know donor uh made it right out of you know uh Georgia, 
granite because that was really kind of a an icon in itself because that whole area is known for its quarries for granite and here you go you have this really weird cryptic um iconic you know monolith that that's kind of coming out of the ground out in the middle of nowhere it's out in the middle of the fields it's actually i think um part of the um the terms for the use of the land was that the, the cattle could still they bought it from a farmer and the cattle could just still use the land all around it to graze uh, so that's what when anytime that something is put there anonymously with obscure text and no explanation of course conspiracy theorists just jump right at the bit to try to satan you know, was behind it you know it, of course satan's like freemasons why freemasons why why do you all think i'm building weird shit like exactly out in the middle of nowhere in georgia yeah. yes when you reference I'm sorry the... maribel <laughs> when you reference you. the uh language the uh, the name for this uh, in several of the documentaries that I had seen uh, up until the point where I just kind of didn't care anymore uh, was that it was built by the assumption was some Rosicrucian body and uh, from from the, uh, the you know just from those initials and what is funny right is like the Masons well arguably the most organized there are really only two super organized versions of rosicrucianism there's amorc and there's masonic rosicrucianism and so necessarily you know both are involved in freemasonry at least right. in their foundations mm -hmm. so if they were rosicrucian in origin then they would be masonic but alas and they would be a christian monument that's true that's true. Ew. Which is strange because you have all the fundamentalist Christian organizations that have been trying to, um, you know, to, to take it down, call for it uh, taking down, and even putting graffiti on it. So, you know. And do you know what I find it. absolutely funny and kind of ironic is the same type of fundamentalists who had a problem with it. Hmm. Are the, are the ones kind of who would most agree it. with the tenets um, mm. inscribed on it? That's conjecture. Well, they're well, well, I'm just saying, the guy, we, we now know, we now know presumably who built it. And because we know him and his viewpoints, we can well, probably say those... that he's kind of fundamentalist himself. So let's, let's talk about those viewpoints. What are those viewpoints? That is ad hominem. Robert. All right. I don't like that guy, therefore it's wrong. Okay, so what we're going to do for this round, we're going to walk through the 10 quote-unquote commandments that are on the the um <laughs> they don't don't call them that. Satanic commandments? I don't know. What do you call it? The guides in inscriptions the, in the, the 10 the, inscriptions. The and the what we'll do is neutral. We'll do a hot take. What we'll do is we'll we'll read one and then kind of discuss yay or nay can we go along with with that just just as a gut right no no other thought put into it all right so starting at number two there's a reason for that starting at number two we're going to guide reproduction wisely improving fitness and diversity what do you say is that a good idea bad idea i yeah i'm i'm with joe here because it sounds nefarious but then i hear the word diversity and, and I want to think that's great. It's like I, maybe you know what comes to mind? Moonraker. You all mm -hmm. seen 007? Moonraker? Mm -hmm. You know? Yes. He gets yep. like the best of the best. Well, so that's the first inkling towards like eugenics and, and trying to, you know, have a tailored future race, if you if it were. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and that's where a lot of people who did not like the Guidestones kind of went with number two, right? Where we read it at its face value. It says guide reproduction wisely and improve fitness and diversity. But a lot of the people who read this, knowing who presumably created it, we kind of make some assumptions there. And those assumptions are they were talking about eugenics, right? Which is the, uh, you know, defined 
procreation of human life towards a specific end state, right? Um, for those who like Star Trek, Khan, eugenics, you know, he was perfect. He had that dashing hair and those super big, um, you know, big old chest muscles. And he was like 70 years old. He was awesome. Um, but he yeah. couldn't have killed Spock. He, yep, that's yep. right. She comes sure. back. Spoiler alert. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, but a lot of people point to this one and, and talk about eugenics, where eugenics usually has very racist overtones. The Nazis practice yeah. eugenics. And so, so. and so that's the thing with all of these. If you read them literally at face value and you don't try to associate it with uh, the presumed you know, creator of these or whatever, you just look at them as they are and not try to say, you know, try to interpret who is guiding these things. Right. On face value, they seem, they seem okay. Right. I would, I would go along with guiding reproduction wisely to say, Hey, we should all be fit and we should all be diverse. Like that's a good thing. It well, sounds and access, you know, we could, we could bring this into a family planning type of approach where, yeah, make sure that folks have access to contraception and things like that. That is a way to, I don't read guide that. Thanks. Reproduction. Thanks. Number 11 fell off the, uh, Thank Thanks, Mao Zedong. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for that. Number three, here we go. Uniting humanity with a living new language. I was not talking about the one child law. You guys sure, are terrible. Sure, sure you weren't. I yep. hate I hate all of hey, you. How many children do you have? Okay. Number three, unite Ten. humanity with a living I know new language. I hate you. What do you th what do you say? Good, bad, a living new language. I'm, I I kind of dig it. I kind of dig it. I think if the purpose is to break down barriers between nations and things like that, you know, mm -hmm. one of the biggest things that separates us is, um, and we've talked about over nationalistic tendencies before, mm -hmm. you know, one way to actually unite humanity would be to do away with those, those restrictions, right? So, you know, going to a different country and everybody speaks one common language, kind of like Star Wars, you know, everybody speaks, yeah. you know, whatever the hell that language yeah. is. What was, um, sounds like English. Galactic Basic. Hey, what there was, was the Klingon? Uh, what was that language that um, uh, Nick Johnson knew? You know the one I'm talking Esperanto. about. Yeah, Esperanto. Yeah, yeah. See, That's, there you go. Yeah. It's probably the closest Esperanto thing. Esperanto is. It was supposed to be the uh, the language. You know. Mm -hmm. You know, think about Blade Runner. You know, in the beginning of Blade Runner, he talks about how everything on the streets is a blend of Spanish, English, and Chinese or Mandarin rather. And I thought that was kind of interesting and I didn't think of it like as dystopian or anything. I just thought, yeah, that's kind of neat. And I don't think that we're far off from that. I mean, I think, especially with a lot of the kids shows and things today where kids are picking up different languages, Montessori schools and all of these other things. I think we're just going to end up having multilingual children and being able to uh, swing in and out of languages. I mean, those of you who have, um, parents that speak another language, you know that your mom or dad like swings in and out when they get pissed. So <laughs> true. <laughs> My mom does. Absolutely. I hear that. Okay. So, uh, so we're all kind of on board for that. At least the spirit of it. Uh, number four, rule, passion, faith, tradition, and all things with temperate reason. Probably the most Masonic of them all. Right to let people guide their own reproduction wisely. That is we nothing to do with that one. That's moving Stop on. I, moving right, on. Oh, well. So you guys probably don't know. But rule number. That's four not the actually, worst I've ever been called. Rule number the four is, is actually endorsed by by Rand, by uh, 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 Ron Paul. So really? No, I'm just kidding. What? <laughs> Yeah, John was like, "Oh man, I'm on board. <laughs> this is it. This is my jam." I was skeptical, but I hate you guys. My boy Ron. But this does sound like a Masonic tenant. This show. This does sound like a Masonic tenant about you know uh, keeping your passions you know with within certain boundaries, especially on faith and tradition, and everything with tempered reason. Like we are, we're taught to apply logic and reason to all things. So. If, if any of those 10 were going to be uh, Masonic in nature, I mean, you know, I could certainly say that number four would be. Yeah. I agree. Now, now this is the one Everything that also people, 
people, you know, especially very evangelical folks, they took this one and said, oh, we can't have faith. It's all reason. You know, faith is not allowed Uh, anymore. And again, that's where they kind of went to the extreme with with number four here. mm -hmm. So, you know, no more traditions. You can't have your own individual faiths, everything, you know, reason governs all. And they use, you know, they are uh, mutually exclusive. I think you you have. Okay. Touche. That I know of. Number five, protect people and nations with fair laws. There you go. Protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. Who can argue with that? Oh, my God. They did move Foamhenge to Centerville. Did I lie? We're going. We're going. Yeah, we're going. All right. Uh, Number six, let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Like the UN, but actually like, have power. Yes, can actually do yes, do something, accomplish something. What if the UN? What if the UN had like a supreme court that had you know people from various judicial backgrounds from different countries that sat on like you know they were the uh, what do you call it? So it's, it's like tri tribunal. tribunal. Yeah. All right, and then. You just got to go commission. before them, right? Whoa. You're getting a little too Alex Jones here. It's a shocking correlation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Like, what if that would that would be kind of interesting? And, and you know, it, it would be a, probably a whole lot more effective than, say, sanctions and tariffs. Well... It depends on the the authority to like meet out you know consequences. Like, well, I mean, we kind of we kind of do have it already. I'm trying to think when it first started. I mean, the UN does have their international court, and there's people from how many how many judges are sitting on it? It's like what ten or twelve judges, and they come from you know we have somebody from the US, we have someone from Russia, China. Um, a bunch of other countries. So that already exists. Um, I'm just trying to think when it came into being. Was it before or after? 1945. So UN was around before this. So this is maybe something in addition to or or in replacement of. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm on the fence for this one um, because that, that implies that there is a... If you have if you have national sovereignty, then the, there has to be something above national sovereignty to resolve disputes, and that starts to then hurt my head about well, then are you sovereign anymore? Well, I mean, let's let's peel the onion. Very back libertarian on, on of you. I'm just saying. But so I'm asking the libertarian. So it says let all nations rule internally. What if you have a nation that is you know. Uh, their rulers are lining women and children up against walls and putting bullets in their heads and all this awesome stuff. Do we let them continue doing what they're doing or do we go bitch slap them? Even if we went after that, do you need a world court to adjudicate that? Or can you say, Hey, our, our nation feels that that is uh, an infringement on human rights. We're going to go and take care of that. Do you need a third party, a a world court to approve it? Not approve it. So, you know, that's, so either way, whether you're for uh, isolationism or non-interventionism or, you know, having authority to go and, and uh, attack other countries, do you need a world court? So that's, uh, you know, I, I could be swayed either way, but I'm just throwing a, a different opinion out there. So it's kind of like the Grand Lodge system in Freemasonry today. Like, no, it, it, you know. You know, it's the the sovereignty of of Grand Lodges. You know, the show was going Grand well Lodges until Jason in their own jurisdiction. I'm just bringing it no, back to me. No, yes. listen, I like I like his threat. I see where you're going point. with so, it. So let me ask let me ask for uh, once. Not mousy tongue this question. So the Grand Lodge of uh, <laughs> Joe, Grand Lodge I, of hate Virginia, uh, I hate I you. I hate you so hard. <laughs> so the Grand Probably. Lodge of Virginia is fighting with the Grand Lodge of Florida. Who would be that inter that overriding body that gets to decide who's right and who's wrong. Grand Lodge of the U.S., of course. The Conference of Grand Masters. Ooh, which is like a world court of 
or which is like the UN in the sense that they don't have a <laughs> lot of sweeping power. Done. They don't. I was gonna say they don't really. They can't tell Grand Lodges what to do, right? Yeah, no, they can't. The, the Conference of Grand Masters is like where Grand Lodges go together to go behind closed doors and then admit to themselves where they have problems very carefully, and then try to solve them with decades-old solutions. So it does sound like You're the UN. Wrong. I stand corrected. Right <laughs> right I say Nick Johnson is, is watching on Facebook, so just mention Esperanto and he shows up. So Boom. Oh. <laughs> but we didn't say it three times. We did not say it three times. All right, number seven, avoid petty laws and useless officials. I'm down for that. Two thumbs up from me. I am down for that. I, I in researching for the show, I said, I wonder how many pages the U.S. Code is. And if you're looking at all the laws under the federal U.S. Code, it's about sixty thousand pages printed out. And yes, they do have to print it out for the Library of Congress. So yeah, there's probably some petty laws in there, and there's probably some useless officials in there. Uh, I'm I'm all for uh, avoiding that as to Let's the greatest extent possible. Let's talk about why the seatbelt is a petty law. Yes. But okay. No, yes. Moving on, number eight. <laughs> Balance That's personal it. rights with social duties. Balancing personal Can, rights with social let's duties. Let's dismantle this a little bit. Mm-hmm. This one's because, because when I mentioned this, when I was actually talking with my oldest son about this, and he says, wow, you know what movie comes to mind? And I said, what? That's right. We're going to rear the ugly head of one Starship Troopers again. Nice. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. Personal rights with social duties. So is that saying like if you don't perform your social duty, then you don't deserve the personal right? Or like what's <clears throat> what is it actually saying well, here? I'm curious. Well that's what Starship Trooper says. Um yeah, yeah I mean you don't right. you gotta go do your duty and then you become a citizen. Um so yeah, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, and so again, I, I took a different approach when I read this. That um, it, it's to me, it is the difference between authoritarianism and anarchy. Right? It's the difference between having the state dictate the rights you are allowed to have and not to have, versus the freedom to operate in a civilized society. And so there are social norms and customs uh, that you don't need a law for. It's just good behavior. There's no law that says that you should wait your turn in line in the bank when you're waiting for a teller. That is a social duty to queue. And, you know, in Japan, uh, England, right, the queuing is is a huge part of that culture. That is a social duty. When was the, that last, is, when was the last time you actually talked to a bank teller? Actually, just the other day. So... Um, but then, but you don't need to have that doc, you know, um, made a law, made codified into law that you should do certain things, right? So, um, you're allowed to do certain things and not allowed to do other things. And so it's a balance between your own liberties and freedoms compared to, um, societal norms or societal laws and code. So that, that's, that's why I think the balance is there. It's just trying to make sure that you're not going too far one way or the other from true anarchy to, um, you know, making sure that everything has to be written down for you. So I kind of see it as that, you know, inherent right to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness in the sense that you have a personal right and you have personal rights to do whatever you want. The problem is when your exercising of that personal right causes damage and harm to someone else's ability to do so. Yeah. I, I see, you know, balancing your personal right, your personal rights, you know, and the rights that make up society on, on the other side of making sure that one doesn't infringe upon the other. Yeah, it's like the old saying, right? Like, your personal Joe rights end where mine begin. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. right. And we could go into a whole conversation of natural rights versus negative rights 
etc. But we don't have time for that. That'd be a good good topic for another show. Number nine. Prize truth, beauty, and love seeking harmony with the infinite. That's two thumbs up. You mean from truth, Joe. beauty, and charity? Agape. Caritas. What? Yes, I like that one. Carnitas. That one's a win. Mm. See? Yeah, Carnitas. They're are my good. favorite. Yeah. Store gay. Uh, that's store a great gay. one. Hashtag store gay. <laughs> Prize truth, beauty, and love seeking harmony with the infinite. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's something that. I'm good with that. Um, Can't go wrong with that. You know, when you, got, you, you had me at love. Number 10, be not a cancer on the earth, leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. So important, they said it twice. Mm-hmm. Did we mention leave room for nature? Mm. So I take, a, I take a look at this and I, I think of the, the story that was told when the pandemic first kind of kicked off and you had <clears throat> people doing a rush on toilet paper and... Um, folks liken that to it's like you know it's it's the difference between going to a party and people hearing there's not enough pizza and you have the people that take three slices a piece because they're worried it's going to run out and the people who only take one to try to make sure there's there's room for everyone else as so i think it's really a you know it, it just kind of refocuses everything toward moderation and leaving space see you, you you had me torn at the pizza analogy because going back to the toilet paper one with that i was following with like we didn't go crazy buying toilet paper we bought bidets because we were like yeah who needs toilet paper we're just gonna bidet everybody so this is a bidet household yep robert knows what i'm talking about but when you bring back to the pizza argument if you told me there was not enough pizza i would be sad inside and so I would do what I needed to do <laughs> Me to get too. more of the pizza. Heck with toilet you know, paper. So, yeah. So I think I think going going back to the balance, we can balance my personal rights for pizza with not giving a crap if you get any pizza. So you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna. Yeah, I mean, eat grass. Call out number eight. I, I yeah. mean, you're just a bad person. <laughs> have, have sliders instead. What do you want me to tell what you? What is? I'm okay, pizza. so. Okay, uh, I want to say it was probably Paul Zaloom back in the day on Beekman's World when he talked about the world population back then. It was like, it wasn't what it was today, obviously, but it was like probably six and a half billion or something. And uh, they basically did this calculation that showed while the human species loves to like just spread out, And as we engineer and create new ways of making comfort and new ways of bringing the comforts of, you know, first world to remote parts of the planet, uh, it starts to endanger the indigenous uh, wildlife and all of the things in those areas. So I see where he's going with this, but also in the same, at the same time, just an interesting fact is that they said that if everybody in the entire world were to live in the same, um, like the same density right. as they live in Manhattan, right. then the world population, the world population would fit in Texas. Or New Zealand. Yep. So with that said, like we are spread quite uh, yeah. like, you know, all over the planet. And we are, and we are ourselves uh, the way we operate as an invasive species. We're predatory. We do all these things, and yet, um, you know, we try to maintain balance. I think is is you know the platform of even political parties, uh, but you also see with corporations today like Apple and the campus that they that they. I don't know if they ever completed it or not, but I think they did right where they did the whole campus where all the parking was underground and you had to have a park on top of it and all these trees. And, you know, they're attempting to have this balance. Uh, and I, I rather do like the idea, you yeah, know, you all ever seen, have you ever seen um, rollerball? Like the first one. And there's a scene where a guy is like 
shooting a gun at trees and they're it's a fireball gun and then like they're all just drunk shooting trees and burning trees down that's like <laughs> what they do for fun like the farther we can get from that the better yeah that'd be, that'd be good <laughs> that would be good yeah I haven't, I haven't where is this yet. episode yeah. going so fireballs and the trees uh so yeah be not a cancer on the earth we all can get behind not, that not just whiskey uh but, but let's go back to number one we skipped over that one uh, purposefully. Maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. This one gets everyone right. That's up. very Thanos. I mean, it's worse than Thanos because the world population is about 7 billion, I think. 7.753 billion as of 2020. Mm-hmm. So that means over 7 billion people would have to go. To, main, to maintain humanity at that at that um, 500 million. You know who's going first? The people that grab my pizza. They're number one. Yes, and the Boom. toilet paper. Yes, if you've yes because the they'll the starve paper. because you ate all the pizza. <laughs> uh. So this one, like you said, it this one really touches people's nerves. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think for good reason. Obviously, that number doesn't matter if you're one of the 500,000. But if you're not, you know, how do you choose? This goes back to it that still earlier does law. Matter. Say more. Still does yeah, matter so. because you will know people who are in the 7 billion. Okay, you have totally. the externalities, oh, yeah. Guaranteed, yeah. yeah. And I mean, right now, science, a lot of scientists, you know, they run this problem all the time, which is the actual question, how many people can earth support we're like approaching the cap nine to ten billion is what they say so thinking about that that, yeah we're gonna see that by the time we're senior citizens yeah hashtag 2040 Uh, it's all gonna happen 2040 man together you're gonna see you're gonna see it's my grand unified theory yep and regulation i'm sure of it well, I mean, to be, yeah, I mean, to not not to be as Debbie Downer as you, but I mean, no, we are really approaching the cap where we, the way we live today, you know, exactly what you were talking about, how you could fit all of the human population right now in Texas. Not this week, because it's like 175 degrees there this week. So don't go to Texas unless you live in Texas. Uh, everything expands keep, with the heat. So just be keep kinda, your Keep your thermostats at 82 degrees, small. Texans. Good job with that. But um, <laughs> but <laughs> but I mean, I had a look the power up. grid last... still gonna break. <laughs> the power grid. Um, I had to look this up. The last time the Earth was at a half a billion people was in 1600. So that's when we had around 500 million things crawling around that we call people on this Earth. So mm-hmm. yeah. So again. If you read it at face value and not and not say that something is going to force the removal of seven billion people, but just to say, hey, let's try to maintain humanity under this artificial level, you know, hey, it's it's it, it to be in perpetual balance with nature. Not a bad goal. We're way far from that, right? It's it's just like saying, I want to get down to my, you know, high school weight. Yeah, that's a long way away. Well, I'd like yeah, to maintain to, that. You don't have to kill 95% of the people around you to hit your high Correct. school weight, though. Right. You know I mean? like, it, all right. And it doesn't say about, kill people. Think about Put the down intent. the quarter pounder with cheese. You know, don't. The intent of the Guidestones, arguably here, is to guide humanity after an apocalypse. So, if you take that into consideration, humanity might be well underneath the 500 Already. Mm-hmm. million level. So, this is then just saying, hey, you got a sh- you have a shot you got a second shot at this maybe don't mess it up and then the way I'm also thinking about it in the same way is not unlike uh, the repository for the archives of masonry right like the laws the rules the sciences you know the emerald tablet of of Jehudi Thoth Jehudi whatever you want to call it like all of that stuff compiled into it's a s- real similar idea and in fact Right? This was like the basis in a digital form of the Foundation series, right? 
They had to form the Encyclopedia Galactica for the fall of the foundation so that people could uh, rise up again but not have to be taken back to such a you know barbaric level of knowledge. And in this same respect, this is just like, hey, we kind of figured out these universal rules you know, in the 1980s. <laughs> uh, maybe try it out when you guys are building back. When you're building back, yeah. Better. So, so let's talk about... <laughs> wow. So let's talk good. about... Goodness gracious. Let's talk about where we are in, with the population and how the population is changing across, across the Earth today. Mm -hmm. So the population replacement rate is 2.1 children per household. So each household on the face of the planet would need to produce two and and a spare um, offspring to be able to maintain the current level of, of population. Um, there are I am I am using uh, 2022 numbers. There are just under half of all the countries in the world um, are actually lower than the population replacement rate. Yeah, we are definitely slowing down. So, yeah, especially over the last 30 or so years. Um, interestingly enough, where you have the you know highest fertility rates are in, are in some of the poorest countries in the world. Right, and that's due to the uh, not available knowledge on contraception. Right. So the more libertine the country is about, you know, opening up and talking about sexuality, sexual transmitted diseases, all of those things, you actually increase the mortality rate, lessening the amount of children one needs to have because you don't have to worry about them dying. Mm -hmm. uh, this was the whole thing with Mr. Condom. You lessen, over an you lessen the mortality so, rate. Right. I mean, so, yes, I'm sorry. Thank you, Jason. Has has anybody explained this to all the people on the Bravo channel and every <laughs> single family on, on Discovery Plus because they haven't gotten that memo and like we're seeing the 14, 15, 18. Yeah. The Duggers, yes. Um, um, somebody also needs to send them a fax. Related, though, Jason, is um, that uh, they found that over the past, I believe, 20 years, just since this century, that uh, male testosterone has like been cut in half too. Yes, that's right. And they don't know why. And that's well, really think weird. About it. Think about this: this whole idea of the enclosed system, right? Like there is a perpetual balance that's struck by nature. Mm -hmm. Could there not be some sort of thing we've not discovered yet that actually controls all of these underlying things, right? Like for every. For every time you cross a T, you know, something happens over here. You don't even know about it. Right. So, like, as we progress as a society, it, it is, as we generally increase in population, perhaps it's just by human design that all of a sudden testosterone lessens because you're not out hunting, okay? You're not out surviving. Uh, the, you know, most of us, our biggest confrontation is uh, the argument we have with our boss in the shower about the things we should have said. And... You know, it requires nothing. Why are you then, showering with your boss? That's right. Why are you showering with your boss? No, but I see where you're going. The saber tooth <laughs> right, tiger has shortage. been replaced with that email. That's right. We're not and, in Texas. And remember that not only testosterone, but uh, male fertility rates right. are dropping off dramatically mm -hmm. as well. Yep. So mm -hmm. is this like? foreshadowing like the, the, is it just like this underlying mathematical foundation that is actually course correcting like and we don't even know we you know everything is in the program i i don't, I don't know how to describe it no i i think if yeah, we're think truly in a closed system I, no go Sorry, ahead John. what i was probably going to say the same thing you were but nature always seems truly... to get back in balance you know what i mean um life uh, uh finds a way Life finds a way. Yes. All right. So, and whatever Jason was going to say, we're in a closed system, Jason. It was so going to be. We've got those, those John, ten inscriptions. Uh, let's. I go, hate everybody on this call. Let's go find out. You're breaking up, Jason. I don't. I think we might lose you here in a second. Let's talk about. We broke up like the Beatles. 
Thanks, Yoko. <sighs> Let's talk about um, who who we believe. That was, was a Marvel reference. Behind these, Nick Johnson is like cheering at his computer. <clears throat> so don't. Uh, wasn't there some sort of speculation as to the actual identity of R.C. Christian? Robert, you alluded yes. to that in the beginning. Jason, you know? So there was a documentary, a documentary, excuse me, published in 2015 called Dark Clowns Over Elberton, The True Story of the Georgia Guidestones, where in this documentary, um, the documentary crew was able to go in and look at correspondence um, <clears throat> between the, uh, you know, Mr. Christian and the uh, builders of, of the Guidestones. And um, they found a postmark and a return address of the correspondence that led them to um, a house owned by... Um, by uh, Mr. Robert Merriman. Um, but then they also identified um, that Mr. Merriman didn't actually own the house. Instead, a local doctor named Herbert Hinsey Kirsten was the owner of the house at the time this correspondence was written. Hmm. And so... Um, putting together that evidence, it has been supposed that Herbert Kirsten was the one who um, commissioned the, the monument to be built in the first place. Yeah, and what we found out about that individual is what was troubling that we had alluded to is the fact that he had written a couple letters uh, praising... I shouldn't say praising. Uh, he references David Duke, who at the time was like the head of the Ku Klux Klan. And I'm not saying he praises the, uh, David Duke, but what he says is David Duke has ideas that a great many Americans have and that there should be more representatives for local governments and things that share some of those values or thought processes. Now, do I think he's praising David Duke? No, but I do think he is referencing a danger in a dangerous way, uh, pointing out that there are perhaps points of view that's kind of open-ended uh, that may be valued by some Americans that should be represented in you know some some way. I don't think so, uh, but in the same respect, it would be like if I said uh, you know if, if you had a diary where Adolf Hitler's like I love mathematics. And then somebody says, "I love mathematics." Well, you know who else did, right? It's it's is there's there's a danger there to assume that he's like a, right. a Ku Klux Klan. Yeah, it's it's back uh, to the the ad hominem attacks, right? Where, yeah. Well, and so, <clears throat> you know, and and based on the you know local historians' viewpoint, um, you know, Herbert Kirsten was widely known for his views on population control and eugenics Ooh. and that he was by all intents and purposes very racist now none of that came out in herbert kirsten's obituary that we were able to find in and read but um, do they write those kinds of things in people's obituaries? <laughs> by the way sir? dude was racist <laughs> you know that right yeah no i, I, I he did survived because by his had wonderful his wife janice and he's a huge racist because I, we had his name in a couple of the uh, states in which he lived or operated, died, and born in kind of thing. I went ahead and I ran a check through my Grand Lodge because I wanted to know, was he a Mason in uh, any of the states mentioned in the obituary? Uh, so I wrote my Grand Secretary and uh, right worshipful brother uh, Frank Klein, thank you so much, got back to me in about three or four days. And they did an exhaustive search and he was not found. So we can safely say <laughs> that uh, yes. he was Woo. not a Freemason. Yeah. The, there is no tie that we've been a able to prove or, or find that ties Freemasons and Rosicrucians to the Guidestones. He was a member of the Rotary, though. 
dun, dun, oh. dun. All right, two things I want to bring up, and then we'll get to the final question. First off, we forgot to mention, too, that um, it did have astrological significance, although it was very basic, with a, a hole drilled through so you could see Polaris or the North Star at all times. You're basic. Meh. Not not uh, not too crazy. The guidestones were aligned to the, um, the, the various um, risings of the sun uh, at, the, at the extremes in the east, and, um, and then they also had something about... Uh, a slot at the top where at noon every, every day it would uh, it would cast light through the top onto the center column. Eh, I mean, that's that's basic stuff. That's really nothing that's, uh, you know, reserved for your ancient aliens kind of stuff. So Joe would approve. It's like pumpkin spice Stonehenge. Pumpkin spice. It's, it's basic. Yeah. I'll agree to that. <laughs> um, and then the, 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 the last thing was, again... How it all came down was really strange because we have this 4 a.m. bombing. No one has seen the bomb being placed. There, there is a little bit of shady suspect car footage at 4 a.m. that day. That's it. Like, no one's been caught yet. And not only did it just happen very quickly and mysteriously, by, like, the afternoon they already were tearing down all the other stones right away like these guys were already had gas in their vehicles ready to go tear this thing down so i'm not a conspiracy theorist but it seems a little shady how how quickly it all went it's, down. Uh, it's suspect yeah it's suspect uh, yeah any word for, for comparison sake you know after the um after the zanesville masonic temple caught fire uh back in january it took on the order of weeks, wow. if not like over a month, to actually tear the building down. Wow! Like so that that was a very quick mobilization on the part of Georgia. So I'm I'm curious about this. Maybe you guys know. Uh, I had heard a rumor, maybe on some third party weird news site, that perhaps with the demolition of the guidestones it would allow for a time capsule that was purportedly to be there. Six feet open. below. Mm -hmm. there, so there is a time capsule. They found none. They did oh, dig nothing. in the supposed location six feet below, and there was none to be found. That's so the report say. says, dun, dun, dun. Yes, I agree. All right, so here we are, late in the show, final question time. So it's a two-parter. Uh, the question is... Should a um, a, guide, a set of guidestones be rebuilt, whether they are somewhere else? And if, if you were in charge of it, if you were the supposed RC Christian, would you put anything different, new, or, or some other kind of monument for prosperity? So should it be replaced, whether in the same location or not? And if replaced, uh, would you, what would you add or change, subtract, do something completely different? Let's go to Jason. Yes. Yeah, I get to think about it. So, should you replace it one for one? I, I think the time has passed, and I... Like, whatever effect the original commissioners had, yeah. or, or wanted to have, I think that that time has, has come and gone. Um, we still have foam hinge. I, yeah, we still got foam hinge, so it's it's much better astrological clock. <laughs> uh, I would say if if anything, I think you can distill down a lot of the better uh, cliches and and inscriptions in that monument to you know simply just be kind to each other and take care of the planet. The Bill and Ted rule. And yeah, like be excellent to one another. It's, you know, Hey, you know, it's, it's the Jesus commandments of, you know, love the Lord, your God with all your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, <clears throat> not equating, not equating earth to, uh, to deity, but, 
you know, just taking care of those around you, I think is, is being kind to everyone I think is worthy of inscription everywhere. Nice. I like it. Thanks, Jason. Let's head over to Joe next. So he doesn't get trumped by RJ, but he got trumped by Jason. So yes, there's that. Yes. Jason threw my answer out, but because it's such a great answer, but yeah. So would I rebuild them? No. Um, because again, we don't know what the purpose was uh, that they that they were erected for, um, and we have to realize that um, even though it's not that long ago, 1980 was a much different time than it was today. Um, you know, the Cold War was still raging. Uh, the Doomsday Clock was always at five minutes away from midnight. You know, people really had this fear. You know, between 1980 and about 30 years before it, that there was going to be a nuclear holocaust. You know, any day now. Um, so that's where ideas like this could, could, uh, marinate and get transposed into these huge granite blocks. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna agree with Jason here that if, if we were to put anything up, it would be the, uh, you know, love your neighbor rule, um, love your neighbor rule and, uh, don't be a D bag. Um, cause I think that those two cover pretty much everything. And, um, so yeah, we can have Wheaton's a single law. monolith. Wheaton's law. Just put a picture of Will Wheaton up, um, you know, on a on a granite block. I'll chip in fifty bucks. <laughs> Boom, done. Let's do it. Yep, nice. let's do it. There's got to be a statue for him start already a, out there somewhere. Start a Kickstarter. Kickstarter. <sighs> let's do it. All right, Robert. What say you? I don't think I would rebuild them in like Jason says a one for one. Um, I think I would love to see something be built uh, and I would love to see this monument uh, or things like it uh, built all over the place. Um, I don't think $100,000 is a lot of money when we're looking at uh, today's dollars. Mm -hmm. It's Um, about 325 now, I think, in today's dollars. Yeah, I mean, even so, like you can look, local governments and local buildings and people who make stuff all the time. Like there are grants and all this money flies around to do stupid stuff. I don't think it would be inappropriate to fund something that calls out to the better natures of human humans um, and erect those different places. It's kind of like being reminded all the time of how great and and lovely life is, right? You all have those super positive people. Sometimes people are like, ah, oh, it's so gross. They're just so positive all the time. You know, my wife, every single day, posts some super kind, be kind meme or something on, on Facebook and just, you know, accosts everybody. And like, sometimes I'm like, dude, come on. But all the time, I do appreciate it. I do find that... Uh, seeing those over and over is, is, is a reminder, just like the working tools and Freemasonry reminders and things that, um, make, make things better. And I think with a lot of these rules, like, you know, I don't, I wouldn't put number one on there. I don't really care about a perpetual balance. You know, this, the number there, I think there should be balance in nature. Leave it at that, uh, guiding reproduction wisely. I, yeah, I don't really see a problem with that as long as the context is understood to mean not eugenics. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't really care about a living new language. I think I think diversity in languages is is beautiful. Uh, the whole thing with rule, passion, faith, tradition, all things with tempered reason. I think there's something along the lines of uh, let reason be the uh, guide of our faith, um, and that's that's how I kind of you know, work with these things. Uh, Let all nations rule internally. Like these kinds of rules and laws are interesting, but at the same time, if you're talking about something like after an apocalypse, there's still going to be countries like that. I mean, I don't, I don't really understand. You know, you're probably going to be almost like a one, a one world uh, community. And I think ultimately uh, the, the rule of kindness, as you guys have talked about, uh, it can can rule the day. It, we we eventually will get to the whole humankind thing, and I think uh, that that's something to strive toward. I think is is it in uh, 
it's in the standard work here in a closing lodge charge. It's probably, is it maybe from revelation, Jason, you probably know, right? Where it talks about like, you know, all singing the same praise. Uh, and I think that's important. Not, not to say that, you know, everybody should be a Christian or whatever, but I mean, to come together is one people for the good of everyone. And I would like to see more monuments to that. I think it would be cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah, so the only thing I would add to this conversation, thank you, Robert, uh, would be some sort of amalgamation between, you know, so would I rebuild it? Not as it is, obviously. Uh, I would tweak some things for clarification. But if I were to be RC Christian, uh, I'd say probably some sort of combination of uh, like the Ten Commandments, uh, the Greatest Commandment, you know, from Jesus, um, maybe the the Delphic Maxims, right? There's there's all of those at the Temple of Apollo that have good, that are good um, guidance, direction, virtues to follow. Um, maybe sprinkle in some Stoic philosophy and, and maybe even the non-aggression principles. So you put put some sort of the best of the best of all of those together, put that up as, as a, a waypoint for people to see instead of, um, you know, something that's more fluid, right? Because we have the news of the day. Uh, shifts people's opinions but if we could have something in stone like you said robert that kind of helps us just reorient ourselves center our heart center our thoughts what's wrong with that let's all try to do that and be kind to each other that's all the other hosts say so with that i want to thank you all very much for watching thank you Sergio, for more have a good Wow. That's it. Okay, girl.